Brent's lovely to have you here, but go ahead. Just before we start. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, good afternoon and welcome to In Conversation With. We are joined here in the U today by quite an influential figure. He's delivered the most important news, both nationally and internationally, for more than two decades to the people of Ireland. And in case you missed him, he is still around on RT Radio 1, nine, 7 to 9 on yeah. Monday to Friday. Yeah. It is Mr. Brian Dobson. Brian, thank you very, very much for coming afternoon. in today. Hi, how are you? <laughs> We're not too bad. Yeah, you're good. Bad. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't want to embarrass you now, Brian, but like I was saying to Greg, like, I just can't, go, can't wait to go over and shake his hand. Yeah. <laughs> because like, like, and like, I mean, I watched the news with my parents, so like you were obviously mm. like on my screen every, every weekday, 6 p.m., um, and yeah, it's just it's just crazy to be sitting beside you here now. But here we are. Yeah, like we, we we've discussed before where when we initially started doing our interviews now, and we're probably what like twenty years or so in now at this stage. Uh yeah, fifteen twenty. I'd yeah, say, yeah, and like initially we were very much like in awe. We were starstruck quite frequently, and I think we've got over that. Yeah, yeah. But today was another one of those. Yes. Today was <laughs> another one of those. Just relax. It's okay. Different kettle. Deep breaths. Chill, Deep breaths. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll start off as I traditionally do. So, what was the initial thought when you got the email from myself uh, asking you to be on the the show? Because usually, oh. now, usually just about, usually you're on the other side of an interview. Yeah, well, but actually, oddly, I've been doing a few interviews lately. Mm. I think it's because I had worked on the TV program, the 6 o'clock news, and the 9 o'clock news before, for about 25 years, which is a terribly long time. And when I, when I kind of left that, there was a certain amount of publicity and interest, and I did yeah. a few interviews mm. around that time. So I've done more interviews in the last year, I suppose, maybe, than I've done on all the 25 years. <laughs> I'd say you're inundated. Well, I wouldn't say inundated, but uh, I, uh, I, was, I ended up with a Late Late Show. Which yeah. is something I always said. I don't want to. I really don't want to be on the Late Late Show, kind of, because that's just it's my Friday evening as well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but anyway, I did it because I did it. Be, I, did, I did it partly, and I said it when I went on the Late Late. I said I'm, I'm partly here just to say to people I haven't retired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Still, yeah, like, yeah it was like, a, lot, a lot of the articles like Davo like Davo signs off six minutes, yeah. and it's like farewell, we'll never yeah, see you yeah, again. Yeah. But like. He's obviously still doing morning garden with the radio, and yeah. you um, host any big events like you were doing uh, the panel for the Eighth Amendment earlier in the yeah, year. Yeah, doing like that. the amendment. Uh, the, I did that, that referendum result. Did the presidential, presidential election, election recently? Yeah. And you know, I'd hope you know if we have a general election in the next while, I might get a, I might get a, Rock get that fingers well. crossed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, those kind of occasions, yeah, yeah. yeah that. So like, as an interviewer yourself, I mean, obviously you've interviewed some of the biggest names in political history, any kind of history, really. Um, when you're being interviewed yourself, are you critiquing your interviewer? <laughs> no, I'm not. No? No, no, no that no, never no. goes through your head? No, it doesn't, because your, your whole mindset is reversed. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, what are they going to ask me? Have I got an answer to this question? <laughs> How can I say something that's kind of going to be interesting? I suppose that as well, as an interviewer, which is maybe the bit of this, it, you're looking, I'm looking for people to be interesting and, and give information and be engaging, you know, and add some value. And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of thinking, I wonder, am I being a good interviewee? You know, am I delivering mm. for oh, this interview? What are they thinking? The experience you've asked the questions long enough that you should be prepared to. Yes, to but it's a whole different. Uh, it's a whole different suppose, ball game. With the, other yeah. side of the microphone. Yeah, yeah. So I sit there thinking, my, am I being boring here? Are they? Are they? Uh, is, is that their eyes glazing over? I see. You know, they're thinking of their next question or wondering <laughs> when can we wrap this up and, and you know go on and do something else. You know, so that's, that's that's the sort of stuff that goes through my head. Yeah, a bit of that. Very good. Well, Brian, we'll start from the very beginning. So the you very beginning. Very beginning. We're going back a right. couple of years now, aren't we? Sandy Mount. So he started off in Sandy Mount. You yeah. went to New Park Comprehensive, and that is where you first encountered your broadcasting 
career yeah I had an interest yeah I had an in school yeah secondary school in, tra- in transition year mm-hmm. first ever uh, transition y- year yeah it was it? one of the yeah it was a, it was a pilot program when oh, I did right. it I mean I, I don't know if it was in other schools but but it certainly wasn't at all the thing it was mm-hmm. very new and I did a transition year so I did as you do now I mean I was in Blackrock College recently last week they have a radio station and their transition year and it's you know it's, it's a the media thing is a sort of part of it and it was a part of it then we did a radio program produced a little magazine and paper that kind of stuff and I just I, that's where I got bitten by the journalism bug yeah and you did your own half hour program so what, what was that? We did this program um, about the school, and um, I forget a lot of it. What was in it? But the one thing what I do was remember. What the lunch for today? Yeah, and different things. Yeah, we got it. But the thing is, we got this interview with the the principal, mm-hmm. and I wasn't the I was the producer. I wasn't I wasn't uh, on air as it were. And uh, we got to interview him about you know I don't know whatever the timetable or the you know the school facilities or whatever the canteen. The big for, issues at the yeah, time. Yeah, the big like, issues you know, for the students. Who rolled on the boys' bathroom and wall? Then and then everybody and then everybody was uh, was the, we put this thing together. And then everybody was hauled into this kind of transition year assembly thing, and they had to listen to this program for half an hour because there was no way of transmitting oh, of it. Course, really. yeah. And there's no online; you couldn't put it online. You couldn't. Course, so they had yeah. to, we sort of put it on a tape machine and went clink, clunk, <laughs> and off it went. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they just sort of sit there. I, I don't know; they were probably bored, rigid, most of them. But I, anyway, I, it was I, it was a fascinating experience. And what was fascinating about it was here was the principal, and we were able to ask him questions. Yeah. And gets the exclusives, yeah. Yeah, you know. And you said that you caught the journalism bug. So was it then, from very early on, that you imagined a career in broadcasting or journalism? I saw it all there. Right. It was all just. It was all there. The, the path was so. It was so obvious. You know. Uh, uh, no, I mean, I just thought I'll, I'll, you know, I'll try and do something. I kind of got diverted along the way. I, I was. I was into art as well, and uh, I, I, for a certain period, I was trying to maybe think about our college and I was working on a portfolio and I was doing a bit of that so but I, I wasn't really I didn't ever thought I was really good enough for that so I kind of came back to the journalism which was an inter- you know I'd been there all the time and I just there was a, there was a there was a course in journalism there was one course in the entire country mm-hmm. uh, for journalism at the time in the College of Commerce in Rathmines and um, I applied for that and you had to have an, e- an honour in English okay. as part of it and I did the honours level English and I didn't get the honour oh. so uh, that was that all you needed was that and one other honour that wasn't particularly you know at the time like a lot of courses they weren't hugely you know competitive and that's nice to get into so I resat the leaving with the view to just and I focused more or less on English I did a few other things as well and I still didn't get the honour in English Oh, right. I, mainly I suppose I think my spelling is atrocious okay. handwriting is pretty illegible so yeah, I mean I'd love it. I had a lot of things yeah, stacked against me so anyway but look the same college had a course in communications I wouldn't see it as a downgrade. You yeah, know. yeah. Well, they didn't need an honor in English for that. <laughs> <laughs> for some it's reason, still the same. Now, <laughs> but, yeah. Funnily oh, enough, you do for yeah. communications oh, in DC. You need to have H4? something like yeah, H four, which yeah. is sixty or plus percent in yeah, honors. Yeah, English no, I think the whole, I think the whole grades are a lot, uh, a lot more demanding nowadays. Yeah. You know. So uh, anyway, I got in for that. They, they actually interviewed people for that. That was the way it sort of worked, and I went into that. And uh, you know, it was actually it was from that, from a lot of points of view, it was better because it did. TV and radio production, film production, and script writing, and all kinds of other stuff. Bit of which, which and is, everything, I suppose. That is yeah, one of know. the biggest attractions, I think, to even communications in DCU is how broad it is, and you're touching on yeah. so many different yeah, parts of different every as- aspects of the media, whether it is TV or radio, or yeah. a bit of print, or um, like advertising, marketing, and all that. It does give you a pretty broad scale. Mm. But um, despite being based not too far away, RT was not your first calling. No, I, I started working in pirate radio. Yeah. I mean, RT at the time, that was it. There was, there was, no, there was no other 
uh, broadcaster in the country. And uh, if you didn't have a job in there, and getting in there was, you know, almost impossible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how would I get? They did recruit people. And I mean, I, but anyway, I went into Pirate Radio, which, is, which was very active at the time. And I worked uh, in a small station initially when I was in college in a shed out in Dunleary called Southside Radio. Southside Radio. And, uh, and was, like, was that just the plain bit of music or was that? No, I was a newsreader. News- oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've done the same job. So for you're <laughs> years. a jack of one very particular <laughs> trade. I never, I've no, I've no particular, I've no great you know knowledge of music or anything. I was never a DJ uh, and uh, I just did I did news then and then and then I went there was a station called Radio Nova opened up around that time this is the early 80s mm. and uh, it uh, I, I went to them and one of someone I'd worked with ended up there and I went to her and she said yeah we're looking for various reasons and I ended up working full-time for them and um, and then I was actually I was bizarrely it's about the only time in my life it happened to me but I was headhunted by RTE wow. or at least by an RTE producer yeah that's the first time yeah. because most of our, our guests from RTE now it's generally been the back of a, news, or a newspaper ad that they've replied to or mm. their yeah. parents have replied to on their behalf and, and different things no I got this I got this approach from a producer on 2FM Radio 2 whatever it was called and I changed his name so I lose track course, yeah. and um, uh, they were setting up this news service for 2FM uh, especially for it and recruiting younger presenters and whatever and would I audition so I went in and I auditioned I went through it was, it was quite a sort of full on thing an interview yeah. and you had to sort of write a bullet and you had to interview somebody you had to do you know to put together a whole uh, um, little package of stuff and um, the guy who was running it said to me he, he got on to me he said look there's good news and bad news and the good news is you got the job uh, you and there was four of us I think you wanted to recruit the bad news is we've no money we can't hire you <laughs> so but look if we do get the money you know the, the new financial know. year or whatever and they, and they did get the money but he, he came back to say to me well we can't hire you although we're going ahead with this because because you're a pirate and there was another guy as oh. well as pirate that the RT won't uh, won't hire won't oh, as well. pirates and uh, that was really crushing because that, that was the yeah. only deal. Most of them have actually strange re- because, like, Duffy and Dempsey made his yeah. start in Pirate. Joe Duffy made his start yeah. in Pirate. I mean, maybe, well, they, maybe they would gone to established stations before. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, one question I did want to ask Pirate versus when you actually did end up joining RT or even BBC for that matter, equipment wise, level of professionalism, was there a big, was there a stark contrast or was it very similar? Um, I was big, I ended up, I ended up then in the BBC, um, and there was a big, there was a big uh, contrast, I suppose as well. But the other thing was it was more restrictive as well. You were mm. working, you know, you had edit, people who were editors and you had a lot more, you know, chains of command, mm-hmm. pirate radio. Specialization, you, you, yeah. You sort of did, you know, you kind you of made, you made it up as we went along. I don't mean we, we made the news up, <laughs> <laughs> the way we approached it, you know. Yeah, but I was, but I was, but what happened was that the guy who wanted to hire me for RTE, um, a fellow called Leo Enright, uh, who who people would familiar with from his coverage of space exploration and all kind of that sort of stuff, and uh, he mentioned my name, you know, to some guy from BBC in Northern Ireland and said, "This guy, you know, this guy Brian Dobson, he might because they were recruiting and mm-hmm. uh, they phoned me and said, would, you know, would you like to come and see us?'" So I went up to Belfast and I got offered a job. What was that job? Uh, as a reporter okay. on radio, on their radio current affair, like their equivalent of Morning Ireland mm-hmm. or the new, you know the Drive Time show, that sort of stuff. So that was great. I had a great couple of years up there. You know, was so. it a tough decision to leave Dublin for Belfast? No, or was not it at all. Delighted. I mean, it was, I, I was getting out of home, which yeah, is a good idea, yeah. probably. What age were you at this time? I was about 22. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but I hadn't, I'd lived away from home briefly for a while. Mm. I sort of got very ill with glandular fever, so my mother had to come and rescue me. Oh, when I was in college. <laughs> I well, was they do they do call glandular fever the shifting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you do. Apparently, who, so. Who was the? We We But yeah, you were working uh, for BBC Northern Ireland in a particularly probably challenging time. Uh, 
Well, it was a great place. I suppose it was a great place if you were a reporter, a young reporter, an oh, experienced yeah, reporter. You, were, you, you had a lot of work to do. Yeah, it was so, great. Yeah. But it was great because it was the it was the local radio, BBC Radio Ulster. Okay. So I was working both on the political story and the troubles and covering riots and disturbances and big political events and all that kind of stuff and doing all the local news as well. Mm. So it was, it was a really good mix. An eclectic and, uh, mix, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience. After, after, about, after about six months up there, I got this phone call one day from this guy in RTE, from Leo, saying, would, there's a vacancy, would you like to apply for it? And I, back in RTE, and I said, well, I said, I thought I was a pirate, you know. And we said, it's okay, you've been laundered by the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I said, look, it's I really, I, I really was, I, I think it was just great to get away, away from home you know, and be in a different jurisdiction. I know it was the same country, but just it was a very different kind of society, and mm. it was I was enjoying it. It was a great place. And then you went from there to RTE. Uh, you were a reporter with Radio Ones this week. That's right. I came to RTE to to, to the this week program to that. And Sunday what show. was was there a difference here from jumping from like the BBC and like I suppose even your guidelines or even a style guide or anything like that? Yeah, or was it wasn't the really. Same? The big difference um, was that when I came to, to RTE, the Section 31 restrictions were still there. So you couldn't interview uh, or report interviews with members of Sinn Féin mm-hmm. and a couple of other um, organisations. Yeah. And that, was, that didn't apply in Belfast uh, uh, at the time. Now, something similar came in at a later stage in, in the north in Britain. Um, but um, that was, and I remember trying to do stories. And because I'd been working in the north for three years, I had a lot of you know, good contacts there and I, I would do continue to do stories but trying to do them without being able to talk to somebody like you know Jerry Adams <laughs> was kind of just a little bonkers you know mm. and um, just while we mention his name actually is it true that Jerry Adams signed your copy of the Good Friday Agreement with an XO yeah I think that's what it looks like <laughs> I saw the picture you posted on Twitter a while ago I think I saw I'll the leave picture. you to judge yourself and he, honest to God it, does, it looks it like Jerry Adams XOXO yeah. Um, yeah, that's a bit mad. I mean, he's a bit mad. I'd say he would, I'd say he would drop you a few X's if you were texting him or that. Like, yeah, maybe. Say, like, well, have you seen his Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, like he... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I'd say it's just term of endearment, X, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't read any more into it. Yeah, I just had to address it because it's, like, obviously, Good Fighter Agreement is one of the most important documents in Irish history. You're a copy of it, and there's a little XO there from... I've got, yeah, but it's I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got Jerry Adams, I've got uh, Tony Blair, i got some signers. A lot of these were after the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the actual copy of the agreement didn't come out until the later the day it was the, the agreement was reached. They actually, but they actually had it printed that night. We were we were broadcasting at nine o'clock, so the deal was done. You know, around midday mm. or, or actually it was later. It was middle middle of the afternoon, um, and they got it off to the printers. So I was about to go on air at nine o'clock on the news, and they hand somebody handed me a copy of the. Mm. It was actually still warm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, yeah. Now that maybe was accentuated by the fact that it was a freezing night. There was snow falling or sleet, yeah. and it was. You know, I remember putting my hands on it and feeling, "Oh, that's nice." Yeah, just just had to just had to mention it and see was it actually, you know. Well, you can see it. I think yeah, I put yeah. it up on Twitter so you can yeah. make your own. But that's sort of what it looks like to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Brian, when you were starting off in RTE and BBC. Were you thrown right into the deep end? Did you have a lot of trouble adjusting to your new role or were there people helping you out? Uh, yeah, I was pretty well into the deep end. Mm-hmm. I don't recall any training. Right. Um, but then I came to them having already been operate, working as a reporter mm-hmm. and as a broadcaster. So I suppose they reckoned I, you know, I should be able to. I was being hired as someone who could do the job. Um, I had, on Radio Nova, we had done this daily Kurt magazine show. So we had done, I had done a lot of, you know, I kind of had the, some of the skills. Mm-hmm. Some of them. Some of them. Um, so I was able to kind of hit the hit the ground running, you know. So, but but the yeah, producers, with editors, would help you along, you know, and uh, you just get on with it. You mm. know? And then, especially in RT, were there any big names, big faces who you got along with early on? 
who helped you out or you got along well with? No, again, I mean, you're the, the, yeah, I mean, again, I don't remember actually having any formal training in RTE, mm. other than at a later stage having some voice training. Oh. To, to learn to speak proper. Like elocution lessons? Yeah, sort of. Okay. Yeah, for as a news, newscaster sort of stuff. A guy, an actor, a coach, acting coach, okay. was, came in. Actually, it was very useful because he kind of focused on breathing and this kind of stuff, which was, I'd never thought about breathing, you know. Yeah. Just, enunciation. Just breathe. yeah. 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 Well, I think I, my enunciation was probably reasonably okay. It yeah. was more kind of having a controlling breath and all that kind of stuff. So you don't get that, you know, oh, so yeah. you're refining yeah. the South yeah. side yeah. accent, of yeah. course. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but uh, no, I mean, I, mean, I worked with uh, worked with initially with a guy called Shane Kenny, who was a terrific oh. editor, and uh, and then later with loads of other people, you know. But like I think the thing about the journal—maybe it sounds a bit cheesy to say it—is that you know you learn every day, really, or you yeah. should do if you're, you know. We always say it after our yeah. interviews. We, we learn something new every time. <laughs> I'm not allowed to click your pen. I just, I just change pen at the start of the interview. Yeah. Um, Interfere, interfering noise. Yeah. Um, but in covering when as working as a reporter and even throughout your career, was there ever one particular area uh, that you like covering? Like I know you said, like you were a business correspondent for RT for a while. Was yeah. was that a side that you liked reporting more or less? So let's say than politics or anything like that. I did business for about it was relatively short time, for about six months, maybe eight months, maybe that sort of time, and I, yeah, I did love it. And I had no background in business. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I got the job because the guy who was doing the job. What, what actually what happened was that the guy who was doing the job hadn't had a holiday in about a year and a half <laughs> because nobody would he kind of created this this role, role yeah. and um, uh, he hadn't had a holiday and I was sort of because I'm a sort of nosy kind of guy I went up and I fell into conversation with him one day and he had all these like nowadays we all have screens but in those days we had type computers were just coming in but he had like three screens <laughs> because one was the writer's feed and one was the stock market thing. And oh, so, yeah. And what are all these? And he was showing me. That was fascinating. That's where you get the share prices. And was, Look at that. Okay. And just because I showed some interest, he came up and said, he said, look, would you, would you be available? Would you stand in for a week? I'm trying to get away the week after next. You know? So <laughs> I kind of stood in for him. And then about a couple of months later, he left. He went off to work for a stockbroking firm. And they nobody, so they kind of said, oh, your man, you, do you know what these screens are? You <laughs> <Yeah>. know, how <laughs> this business news thing works. I said, yeah, I think so. Okay, you do it. So I ended wow. up doing it because there was nobody else. And, and then I Did you have to it. immerse yourself and learn as much as you could in the Well, actually, of... I had no, I mean, I had done... I had, I had done economics in the leaving cert, so I had a bit of that, I suppose, and I had done a bit of business during school, but I, mean, I, wouldn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't a business head at all. I mean, I didn't. One of the first things I, 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 I bought was one of those, you know, Idiot's Guides. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Idiot's business, Guide. Business I, I think they sell them down there, downstairs in the U here. Business, oh, yeah. for, du- business for Dummies. How to, actually, it was called How to Read the Financial Pages. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I got the, this thing and I, I sort yeah. of... Uh, and I, I suppose just, I, you know, if you're a reporter, you're used to... You don't know you don't know stuff necessarily, obviously, but you know how to f- know how to find out stuff. So mm. where do you go to find out things? Who do you talk to? Who can you trust? Who's spinning your line? I mean, it's all the same kind of journalistic reporting skills. And then I developed a, obviously a little bit of expertise uh, as I did for a few years. But it was great. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh, enjoyed that job. So I did. Yeah, I think I did it for two or three years, three and then three. I got plucked uh, for stardom. Uh, yes, <laughs> the, the, year was, the year was 1996, I believe. No, really? Is correct? No, 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 he did. Yeah, he yeah. did uh, the one o'clock news. Yeah, okay. in yeah, I was, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, to, to and I was kind of reluctant. Yeah, they, they, they kind of got. They sort of asked me, you know, this offer came. Would you like to go news anchoring, basically? Let's go and use anchoring, and it started on one o'clock news. You're right, yeah, yeah. Went back to your TY days, I suppose. Back to sure, it was again, yeah. yeah. But um, and I was kind of reluctant to do it. Mm. 
Um, and I said, I mean, I said, look, I'll do it on the basis that I do a particular program and I have an involvement in it. I'm not because RT in the past would have had newsreaders who just who worked in news and still do who who work in newsreader shift. So you come in, you do it from a radio bulletins, might do TV, you go on to something else. And I said, I really, I'm not interested in that. If I can be involved in a program, yeah. As an interviewer, as a presenter, having editorial input, I'll do it. So that, and that they were moving in that direction anyway. So mm-hmm. was, yeah, and was, was that sorry? Was that your first gig in front of the camera? No, you see, you, I, I'd ended up doing. I ended up doing business yeah. news on the TV Mar- marketplace. Marketplace, yeah. yeah. And every night there used to be a business news slot in the six o'clock news. Oh, okay. So I had that's actually where I kind of got some because I before that I had never done any TV presenting. Okay. Well, I almost not. Was that something you were, like you've? I, I suppose it probably came with time and experience, but like. You're just you're so cool and calm and collected and composed, you know, on that side of the camera. Was that something that was hard to adapt to, or? You know, well, you see, I started off doing it in in an area that I was comfortable in. So okay. I was there reporting business uh, stories and financial stuff, whatever. So it was that was the, I wasn't thinking about pre- presenting skills or you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So um, that was a good introduction, I suppose, rather than being dropped straight in, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a as a news presenter. So uh, no, I'm I'm. Yeah, cool. Well, you know, when stuff goes wrong, which it does, my kind of approach is it's never the presenter's fault. <laughs> so why should I start getting into it? It's, it's funny you mentioned this one and, because there's a certain so, clip of Gavin Jennings uh, when you first, I think it was your first week on Morning Ireland where he got a name wrong. He was fed the wrong name or something. Like yeah. That. And, and uh, there was uh, what some described a death stare yeah, from yeah. yourself. To somebody off camera, <laughs> it, there, was, there was arms in the air like but this. That wasn't me. That was no, him. no, that was yeah, Gavin had the arms in the air. There was just there was just a hint of a look <laughs> off camera. He for, he forgot that he was on camera. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing about the RT Radio One. How they yeah. record you as you're doing the radio. Yeah. Do you and find that annoying or? Well, you see, for me, no, because no, I'm, I'm used, to, used to it. Once yeah. I'm, you know, when I'm on air, I, I, I'm, my instinct is that there's a camera somewhere, and that's. Mm. I think for some of the others, it's a, it's a new experience. <laughs> yeah. So they've been kind of learning to adapt to it. So you know, we have to just be because we used to have. I mean, in radio, when I worked in radio before, you'd have all kinds of gestures you'd make. You know, mm, I mean, yeah. one of which was when an interview was going on too long. You know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, about, yeah you can't really do that kind yeah. of stuff any longer. But then somebody's, I friends of mine start texting me saying, you know, stop biting your nails or you know you're yawning or something like that you know, so, harsh um, enough you know um, but yeah okay so yeah so like we said you started on the one o'clock and then obviously you went on to do six and nine respectively yeah, nine, o'clock, well. nine o'clock then and uh, yeah. Then the um, yeah was there out of the three which did you prefer in terms of maybe convenience or you know just how did you, how was your schedule with each three and things? Well, the schedule was like the nine o'clock news. I was working at nine o'clock every night, which mm-hmm. uh, actually it was my wife uh, only recently was saying it was it was a bit of a nightmare for her because the children were quite small, and I it didn't. I mean, I didn't it, uh, just you know you've always if you work in journalism you work odd hours mm-hmm. you know yeah. it kind of comes. Well, to the what would be your hours? You know? So if you were doing the nine o'clock like six to. I'd be in a, I'd be well. I'd be in early afternoon. I used okay. to there was an editorial meeting at two o'clock. I might oh, be at okay. that because you need to be sort of thinking mm-hmm. ahead. Um, Maybe a bit later if it's a quietish day, you know. So, um, and then you knock off, you knock off. Great thing, of course, about daily journalism is once it's over, it's over. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's no, you're not bringing work home, or occasionally, you know, you might have to prepare for something, but uh, you just walk away from it. And you the next, the next day is a, then, blank, yeah. is a blank sheet, you know. Um, but in terms of the programs, I, I think the six one was the one that was most satisfying. I mean, leaving aside the hours or whatever, it, it, that because it was a, a longer program, it would larger cover viewership, more, more so. No, well, actually, no, not a larger, not a larger viewership. Um, would have a bigger share of the of the mm-hmm. available viewership. So, uh, um, but 
the nine o'clock would have certainly had in the past a bigger actual number of people watching mm-hmm. because there's more people watching TV at nine that's what's yeah. the six um, but the six o'clock news would do more breaking news and more stuff happening and because it's an hour long show we would do interviews so that's a bit more challenging nine o'clock news was you know more news presenting mm-hmm. you know less that kind of stuff um, yeah and like you mm-hmm. say you did the the six one for just o- over the best part of 21 years 21 years, 21 years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read afterwards that you, ne- you didn't actually realise no I didn't I was ah, come on Brian well I could I, you know if you'd actually said to me how long have you do it so, but I wouldn't I'd have to think well I remember when such and such an event happened oh, I, was, yeah. I was doing that and then well, by the time this thing happened I mean for example by the time the Good Friday Agreement came I was on the six o'clock news yeah. so that's 1998 yeah. so I knew I was doing it for Twenty years or twice, nineteen right. years at that yeah, stage. Yeah. So I, but I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on exactly when. So somebody went off and looked up in the in the files. So so yeah. working as a, even just a news anchor for probably what twenty five or so. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the most memorable stories that you've covered? What ones stick out? I mean, there's probably the big historic ones that you can. Yeah, name well, I mean they're kind of it's no it's no surprise you know nine eleven and mm. Good Friday uh, Agreement. Um, uh, I did other stuff. I was I was in South Africa when Nelson Mandela mm-hmm. got elected. Just a long time ago now, that was a great. I see. I seen some of the reel of that there yeah. uh, yesterday when I was doing my research. Yeah. You, you're you're a bit younger in front. I was very young. <laughs> yeah. um, I, was, I was 33. Yeah. But but even when a when yeah. even when a story like nine eleven breaks when the news comes down yeah. the line is in the newsroom is it all hands on deck panic yeah. stations when that kind of news comes through? Well, hopefully it's not panic stations, but it's certainly yeah. all hands on deck. Yeah, I was when that happened. Actually, I was in Dublin. I was in Dublin city centre, and of course it was before the mobile phones and that kind of stuff. So I met somebody in the street who said something's happened. To the plane has run into the World Trade Centre, right. and I was actually due to I was heading round to government buildings where I was due to interview a man called Richard Hass who was uh, George Bush's, President Bush's man on our, his envoy to Ireland. Mm. And um, he was meeting, uh, I think Bertie was Taoiseach, Bertie Hearn. And I was used to do an interview with him at the government buildings. And um, I got around and there was this press conference. And of course, it was all about, it was all about, and the, the interview was cancelled. I headed straight back out to RTE. And they'd already on air, but I went, then went into the studio and we were on the air for whatever it was, three through till 10 o'clock that night. Mm. Or so, yeah. Very yeah. good. It's a, I imagine it was, like it was it had to be a very difficult one like in in terms of how you delivered like was that sitting in the back of your head because I actually seen in the highlight reel as well like you are visibly emotional your eyes are quite glossy and yeah it it must be hard like I, well, I, I don't remember it being hard I mean it's obviously emotional and and I think it's important as a presenter that you reflect some of that as well mm-hmm. but obviously you know you don't lo- try not to lose it mm-hmm. um, I think what I do on these sort of stories is I try to hang on to the facts you know what are, what can we say here. That we know about what's happened, mm. and on a program like that, which is rolling through, you know, a number of hours, you're obviously repeating yourself and then adding some new facts. Mm. You know, the people outside in the gallery are trying to get somebody on the end of a phone line, and I mean, it was uh, Conor O'Cleary. I remember very clearly from that, who was the Irish Times correspondent and had a flat, an apartment in a, one of the buildings down in that area, um, and he was on the line describing wow. people jumping out of the windows, you know, mm. to try and get away from the flames before the whole thing. Buildings just came down, so like I, can't, I can't imagine now, like being in the newsroom and well, you were obviously out and about, and that news coming in, like how you're going to report it or how you're going to not give just processing it, yeah, firstly, and give know. justice yeah. to just the magnitude of what's actually happened. It's mm-hmm. a, a nash or international, like global uh, disastrous event that's happened, and like it's on your shoulders to deliver that news to certainly your own nation, if not 
uh, further afield broadcasting. Yeah, as well. yeah, I think I think you know, feel a responsibility to do that. But um, like I say, a lot of the time you're just trying to get material. Can we get some pictures? Mm-hmm. And, and there were there were early on there was a dearth of pictures. You know, mm-hmm. So we were just you know rerunning the the shots that you you know are famous now. Um, and one of the other images that I remember was was the line of ambulances which had been oh, yeah. had been put on standby, mm-hmm. and there was nobody being brought to them because there was no there were no injured. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's fair yeah. to say over your time anchoring and just news reporting generally, you've had a good few interviews. Uh, we talked about being an interviewee versus interviewer and stuff like that. Who sticks out in the memory for better or for worse as uh, interviewees go? There's just so many of them. You know, they they um. Uh, I, 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 well, I mean, in terms of big names, I suppose I, I interviewed Clinton uh, yeah. actually twice. Uh, but after he after he was president, um, he didn't do a whole lot of interviews when he was president because there was a Monica Lewinsky <laughs> and, you know, and uh, that? <laughs> that kind of stuff. So he he. But anyway, afterwards, uh, I, met, I met him twice and, and interviewed him, and uh, that was a great experience. And he's he very impressive. He, he was actually here there um, sure earlier in the year, yeah, getting yeah. an honorary doctorate from the college. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was I was here for that. Yeah, mm. and um, and Hillary as well, actually Hillary Hillary Clinton. So um, you know, but a lot of, a lot of it is just you know you know. Here's the minister for finance to talk yeah, about the budget, yeah, yeah. or uh, you know, so, and that's it. Yeah. Really. you've questions, you go through them, and yeah, it's, it's it's kind of the meat and drink of what we do. And, you know? and you had you have said if you were to pick your interviews, you wouldn't be picking a politician to interview, anyways. If I was picking my idea, yeah, 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 uh, yeah probably. I mean, I, 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 if one of the actually one of the fun things about Morning Ireland is I now get to do, you know, as all the presenters do, you know, interviews of people in the arts. Um, you know, people involved, uh, not so much sport because there's a kind of a there's a sports team who deal that kind of stuff. So, but I get kind of out a little bit away from the politics. It's, it's probably a bit more dream. diverse than yeah. We I read Don Ryan yeah. on the other morning, who's the the one of the nominees for the um uh for the uh, the Booker Prize, isn't mm. it? Yeah, um, or the Costa, sorry. And uh, it was great fun. I mean, I that sort of stuff. Or I mean, I'm, I'm a, I read loads of history, so you know, if there's anything mm. kind of historical, so all this decade of commemorations. Uh, I, that, I love that stuff that's yeah. uh, anyway Brian you're saying you're a big history buff I have to ask have you bought David McCullough's Devil Hour books I have yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. did you actually buy them or did a publisher send them out to you or did David give no you? I actually bought them okay. I bought them and uh, I bought them. I bought the first one at his at the book launch oh I so you were obliged it. to kind of buy it so yeah, yeah well no I wanted to fuck <laughs> <laughs> dig Greg has this knack of trying to like he tries to <laughs> spark beef. beef with Arty personalities between themselves. Oh, in a row, is it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. See, well, I tell you what he did. I, I, he was at, he had this launch in the national in the national yeah. library. It was mm. a great, great occasion. Great, and and uh, Leo Varadkar did the did the kind of the honors and was great. So anyway, I, I bought the book and I could, and he wrote in it. It was it was a year ago, so I was just starting a morning Ireland, and uh, he wrote, you know, you know, to Brian, you know, uh, hope this will help you get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's very different from yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was saying uh, we interviewed he, him the day after. The day after the launch of uh, second, the second, the second one, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, bought, yeah. I bought the second one, and uh, but I haven't started it yet. Okay. Uh, but yeah. uh, I read the first one, and I just thought it was great. It's really well um, written. It's like, written by a journalist, so he's yeah, got that yeah. eye for. Yeah, well, yeah. It took him. It, it, he did his re- What did he say? His research it was five years, and then two years yeah, to write it or something. Yeah, seven in total. Yeah. Um, but he's like, he he was saying like, yeah, it functioned very well as a doorstop, or <laughs> if your table is missing a bit under the leg, you can put it under the table. <laughs> did you hear the very story about? Did you hear the story about the publishers? Did you tell you? Well, apparently. Yeah. what you wrote yeah oh yeah, 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 and he yeah, presented yeah. them and they said you didn't have to do the whole the two parts in one <laughs> so that's just part one yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's a bit of editing to be done I'm sure you'll be glad to hear that you're uh, you're um, supporting a fan, a fan of the yeah, books yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm very I'd, lo- I'd love to be, I'd love to have been a historian I just think mm. it's a, and I think it's something about 
being a journalist and, and trying to make sense of things that are happening and actually a lot of the time failing, I think. Um, and you look back at historic events and there's a clarity about things. You can say, oh, well, okay, well, we know this, this, this happened. Now, of course, the other thing is that historical interpretations change, which also is an interesting insight into actually where you come, uh, the perspective you have on something. I, and I just find it interesting. It's a lovely contrast mm. to the kind of fog. Um, I have a nice quote about this. You know, contemporary um, world. Journalism is the first draft of history. Well, that's a yeah, well-known phrase, yeah, well, which I'm not sure I agree right. with. <laughs> Just because I'm starting beef between you, David, it doesn't mean you have to throw it at me, right, okay? Um, I don't think that's true, actually. Really? Yeah, it is, it is, it is, a, phrase, it is mm-hmm. a phrase that's used a lot, yeah. But um, uh, I, do, I think it's way before the first draft of history. You know, I think it's much earlier. It's, it's much too much immersed in the, in the immediate events. Yeah. And, and you probably can't write history anyway until the events are at least I don't know, 20 years ago or whatever. Well, it must be strange yeah. for yourself because as you're presenting the news, you kinda, you're, it is your job to present it, get it out of the way. Um, and you don't get to really reflect on it as much, I would presume. No. Um, so would, there, would you look back on recent periods in history, read back on them now, and would it change your perspective Well, well I've, got, I've got to the stage now where actually I can start re- reading about events that are beginning to be written about as history that I covered. Mm, you know, yeah. really, that's really very unsettling. Yeah. Um, I mean, Good Friday would be, would be a case in point. There's, yeah. there's material coming out now a bit about that. We haven't quite got to the stage where confidential documents you know, are being released and all that kind of thing, but people are publishing memoirs of the period. A fellow called Jonathan Powell, who wrote a very good account, A Great Hatred Little Room, I think. He was, he was Tony Blair's advisor on Northern Ireland, so he was the guy who did a lot of the meetings. and Being in a good position yeah. to... Uh... And he wrote a, fa- a fantastic account of it. And I remember, I remember reading that, it's a couple of years old now at this stage, and thinking how little we knew about what was what actually was going actually, on, yeah. you know. And is there um, any particular period in history that fascinates you most? Well, modern Irish history, I suppose, because yeah. we, we live with the effects of it, you know, to here in the here and now, you know. And then just even as you were a presenter during the recession, uh, how do you reflect back on that period when... I think we were talking to Eileen Dunn and she was saying every day there'd be something new yeah. you'd have, and it'd be chaos in the newsroom because you wouldn't know what was going to come out and it could be last minute. Um, so how do you reflect on that period of just chaos and uncertainty? Oh, certainly that, yeah. A lot of uncertainty, obviously, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, unlike, and it was a story that affected everybody. Yeah, everyone, you know, yeah. all of us who were reporting the story. A lot of the times, as a journalist, you're reporting events that, you know, they're not, thank goodness, going to affect you. Mm. Um, but that was something that just was, we knew was going to affect all our lives uh, and our children and our families and our neighbours and our friends and all the rest of it. So you were, that was, we were completely immersed in the story, as a, you know, in terms of being, you know, impacting on us. And um, how, how do we look back? Well, I think as well, that really got hard to make sense of, yeah. you know, and... and you know, how, how do you interrogate, you know, the, there was going to be the, what did Brian Lennon, late Brian Lennon say, was the best banking, best, the, the best value bank bailout or whatever oh, yeah, in history, yeah. you know, and, you, you know, how do you judge that? And how yeah. do you, as a reporter, how do you bring a kind of critical faculty to bear on something that is literally unprecedented? Yeah. Would you consider, like, being a newscaster a stressful job, Brian? No. Not stressful. No, I don't. Now, maybe that's just because I, I have the whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, know, you just see yourself as like like the whole kind of like the messenger, don't you? The messenger kind of thing. You you're the middleman <laughs> yeah. between the news. That and might be the, oversimplifying it slightly, but I saw a survey recently which intrigued me that journalists are well down in terms of public trust. You know, it was one of these oh, things. Yeah, of who do yeah. you trust? You know, and uh, I don't know who's up the top: doctors and nurses yeah. and whatever. And journalists are sort of. They're definitely in the la- lower half, and probably the bottom end of the lower half. But newsreaders are actually around the middle. They're higher. Than, yeah, they're quite a trust in newsreaders is quite a bit higher See, than journalists. With, journal- with journalists, uh, which now, is bizarre you, because you can consider you know, like online 
uh, journalism within yeah, that. And you obviously, yeah. you do have to uh, take everything you see online nearly with a pinch of salt. Whereas a newsreader, it's still the kind of tradition like they're on your telly, they're getting the facts like straight. Yeah, from it's coming from RT, like too. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's it's national broadcast. Yeah, in in that sense, that actually makes a little bit of sense. Mm. Um, Brian, what's your publication of choice or outlet? Like your your morning newspaper. What would what would you pick up now? Well, you see, I kind of read them all. Okay. Um, and I have always looked. I've looked well. Sort of the Irish, you know, the ones that are. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, uh, the um, uh, the British. Well, I, I mean, at the moment, I, I I go first maybe to the Telegraph because mm-hmm. I want to see what they're saying about Brexit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to get that perspective, you know, mm-hmm. okay. because we don't get it here really. Um, and you know, so I would read. I would read the uh, the conserve the spectator which is another sort of mm-hmm. full-on brexit uh, public not every week but you know from time to time just to sort of dip into it so those are the kind of ones i go to um i i keep saying i should get into some of the american publications okay. you know get into that but i just have never really kind of gone into them i kind of look at some of the, the websites and follow a bit of the, the you know the coverage in the states but not a whole lot okay yeah. and do you still buy physical newspapers or do you do everything online uh, very occasionally okay well, I mean, I have the luxury now. I come into work and they're all they're there. All, yeah, so, yeah. you know, I don't have to buy Oh, we actually seen, remember you know. when we were uh, over in the TV centre the last time? I forget who it was. There was the big stacks outside the door. Yeah. 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 Those papers, yeah, yeah. yeah, so you get the papers. So those so days when I'm off, um, I probably, I, I, I go online. Yeah, sure. I mean, I have a subscription there to Very Irish Times or whatever. And, you know, the Indo. So we I get a free Irish Times subscription with the... We do, because yeah, we're shooting. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you not use it? I still like a paper though. Yeah. I still like to open a paper, mm. particularly the weekend. I do find it easy, yeah, yeah certainly. Like I, when we do readings and stuff like that, like our readings will be up online for us to read and we can read a PDF of it or whatever, but mm. it's certainly easier to read the physical paper than it is. You also, the there's a thing you get on, in the paper, which is, you know, stories have, are positioned in, in particular, you know, pay, you know, just on the inside, three or whatever, yeah. you know, there's different, you know, headlines. You don't kind of, so you kind of get a sense of what the paper thinks is important. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of go looking for the things that they just bury, you know, what are they? And you have that sense of, um, you know, uh, a sort of stacking of, of priorities. And stuff. You don't get that from the, really from the online thing, you know, no, you're scrolling yeah. down along through. Uh, it's kind so. of as, as recent as it comes, like I suppose chronological kind yeah. of, yeah. But it's where it's going. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be printed papers in 10 or 15 years. Did you, did you ever see us getting to this point? Like, did you ever envisage it? Uh, no, not, re- not until recently. Okay. I mean, this is, a, this is a change that's coming, what, 10, like 10 yeah, years? Is it 15 years at most? I mean, was 11 years ago. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's, and it's the big change. It's the big, it's, the big technological change, obviously, um, and then social media has had a huge impact in terms of people's trust or lack of trust mm-hmm. in in mainstream media, if I can use that phrase, um, which you know I think is a is a big is the big issue for for journalism. Is, you're on Twitter yourself. Yeah, but not active. You're, you're yeah, occasionally. Six days ago, we checked it. Fifty thousand followers. Yeah, that's a good so, follow. We're gonna be getting on to you about that uh, <laughs> in post production. <laughs> um, do, do you do you have any other social media accounts? No. 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 Yeah, did you ever dabble in Facebook during its prime? I or? had Facebook, yeah, and I think I just left it uh, um, uh, when all that sort of um, stuff about the uh, analytica came. Oh, to yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. I don't want to be. I don't want. I don't want to. Like, my yeah, profile twi- up there. Twitter. I think you had a very similar approach to David, who we mentioned, David McCullough, where he says like it's a necessary tool for the likes of promotion and things like mm. that. And maybe the odd bit of fun, but other than that, he wouldn't use social media, wouldn't engage, and he doesn't have time for it. No, I don't. And I don't, and you know, you see people who are very active in terms of engaging, as in replying to people and getting involved in online Mm. discussion, all that kind of stuff. 
I really, I don't, I don't do that. Dave, yeah. David did reply to it. Uh, we recently <laughs> uploaded our episode. With we should have showed him that. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, yeah, actually. Uh, yeah. We recently uploaded our interview with Eileen Dunn, who I'm sure, of course, you're familiar with. And uh, a little, we might actually just do it for a little, yeah, a little tidbit that we got at the end of uh, Eileen Dunn's interview. So we interviewed Eileen and David in the same day, and once we we're f- uh, finished with Eileen, we were like, uh, Eileen, is there any? Um, ruin it. Don't ruin it. Is there any bits that you can give us about Davis that we can uh, show to him uh, in our next interview? And she came up with, with, with a rather good one, so Greg is going to find It's okay, you don't have to listen. In the, in the books anyway, it's lovely. Yeah, I should have, we have, even though we actually do have a, a second interview coming up now today as well. With? Uh, David McCullough. Oh, very good. Yeah, David. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any, any, anything, uh, any little information for us? Give us a... <laughs> yeah. Just for context, you probably listen to the end. We uploaded that short clip onto our, our social media platforms, including Twitter, and I mentioned David in the tweet, and he replied to us just saying, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> See, I read it like that as well. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're, what, late November 2018, so it's been about 13 months or so since uh, you made yeah. the, the big decision. Yeah, yeah, the apocalyptic decision for most people <laughs> on, on social media. Was, was, it, was it a decision or were, were you maybe told, were you told, Brian, time's gone? Uh, no, well, what actually happened is that, um, uh, well, I mean, the context was, I, 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 I was looking for a kind of a, an exit. I wanted to do something else because so, it was just a long time I've been doing this. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd imagine, like... You know, it's hard. And I, I tell you what I was afraid of. I was afraid of, I, that I'd start to get bored. Okay. And that it would become obvious because actually I don't think you can disguise that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that I do I mean, And in fact, a friend of mine who I've known for a long, long time and who I worked with in Pirate Radio and uh, we were chatting, he said, you know, sometimes I see, Brian, you look a bit like you're on automatic pilot. <laughs> and I mean, I said, I don't want to know. I hope you don't take the offence. No, I don't. And you know, Hugh, you're, 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 you're right. There is a, I've got to a stage where it's time to move on. This is after I'd announced I was moving on. <laughs> um, so, uh, he, so that was kind of in the background. And, um, but what happened was that the, 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 my predecessor, Colin McQuillia, um, had retired. And so there was a vacancy. Now, it never occurred to me that, that, uh, to, to, to look for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was having a chat with my boss. One of those, you know, how are things? You're getting on, everything all right? Any issues? You know, the usual, sort of just a general chat. And she said, would, would you? And I was saying, well, you know, I do find that sometimes I feel I'm, I'm doing this too long, you know? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, there's a situation. We were looking for somebody from where I would you like? To, would you like to do one day a week kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Really, that was, that was her suggestion, just to have a bit of variety. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, I would actually be interested in that. And I went home and I said this to my wife. And she said, why would you only do it one day a week? She said, is there, like, is there, a, is there, a, is there a vacancy? I said, there is. Well, why don't you ask them that they'll give it to you? If, you know, you can yeah. have the gig. Mm-hmm. So that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and I went back into them and they, uh, they said, yeah. They, they, they agreed reasonably quickly. So maybe, <laughs> yeah. that, maybe that's something. <laughs> I mean, as, as CVs go. <laughs> yeah. I'd say you're probably qualified It's safe for to it. say that yours was probably good enough for them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was delighted, yeah. So before I knew where I was there, that, that was it, you know. And it, what was it was all tra- hush-hush at the beginning. Yeah. And then, of course, because it's a newsroom, it got out. Yeah. <laughs> Who's and the biggest gossip in the newsroom? 
Who's the biggest gossip? Yeah. Oh, wow. We heard Des Cal is an awful gossip. Uh, Marty. He's well, so I know Marty he's... might not be in the newsroom as often, but we've heard he's an awful oh, gossip yeah. around RT. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, the, uh, not on Morning Ireland. People on Morning Ireland don't go because we're not there. You know, we're kind okay. of there when people are, you know, still in their beds, so we don't mm. get that uh, <laughs> that much. Who would, who would be uh, who would be a good gossip in, in RT? Uh, my co- former co-presenter Sharon Gill oh, yeah. would, yeah. would always yeah. have a few little tidbits. Yeah, 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 yeah. to share. Yeah, definitely. You know, I wouldn't now describe her as a gossip. I'd say yeah. well informed, well you know, informed, well informed. You know, which has you know as a newsreader yeah, yeah, is quite yeah. an important <laughs> trait, I'd say. And that brings us to it, uh, Brian. What would you say is most important qualities for someone coming into the media industry now? Oh, coming into the media industry. Yeah, see, I, I decided oh, yeah. to say media industry as opposed oh, right. to a defined role because I think that's the way it's. Well, I suppose it depends on the role. Yeah. Now there yeah. is an element in. I think you need to be increasingly a bit of a jack of all trades. Yeah. You yeah. Need to be able Diversity to turn is, social yeah. media, desktop publishing, mm-hmm. you know, blogging, you know, whatever uh, that the whole all of the the gamut of it. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I think I think the I think the qualities for journal, a journalist are the same as they've always been, which is you know curiosity, mm-hmm. nosy, inquisitive, mm-hmm. you know, skeptical, um, uh, um, interested in things, and if you're not actually by you know going to be the capacity to make yourself interested as well. And, uh, and you can do that, you know. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, you find yourself doing a certain thing, well, what's that? But actually, if you search for the little, little thing that excites you, and then it's going to excite your interest, hopefully it excites the interest of whoever you're trying to broadcast yeah. through, through or write for. So, uh, and like perseverance, perseverance in terms of your career, because you have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and perseverance in terms of getting stories. You know, the first phone call, oh, no, we're not doing that. You come back again, you come back again, you know. I mean, it's always fascinating to watch a call. Some one of my colleagues trying to persuade somebody to do an interview. <laughs> oh, no, it'll be fine. No, actually, no, no, I've been talking to you. No, 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 you, no you'd be brilliant. You'd be fantastic. <laughs> you know, no, we'll send a taxi. <laughs> and actually, when you said about the distrust amongst journalists and stuff, I, I work as a, a freelance reporter with a, with a local newspaper, and um, I was doing some pre-county final, uh, football final um, interviews, and one of the managers I got on to, I said, just, you know, hi, Greg Hall with whatever. And um, he's grand, yeah, yeah, go on. We'll give you 10 minutes. And I said, perfect, cheers. And he says, now, just before we get started, so you know, this is going to be a game of cat and mouse. <laughs> and he said, we're going to play the game, so play with me. So, oh, off you go. Yeah, and? That was, yeah. You know, if there was anything he didn't like, no. If, and everything, everything he thought about was very... Very thought about, you know, it was very yeah, planned, yeah. you know, very strategic. He didn't want to give anything away. And that's what people are looking for. Um, like, I, I've noticed with the, the interviews I've done, um, they're looking for you to catch, you know, to, to trip them up, to get that... that little spark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think sometimes the kind of the, the holy grail of, it, of an interview is to get somebody actually thinking on their feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather, it's not rehearsed. Rather than going through answers, you know, yeah, that they maybe, yeah. you know, they've, they've spoken about these things before. But just actually something that they actually there and then have to think about almost as they speak and that is you know if you get that and I mean, I mean in my journalism I say it's happened very rarely um, but when it does it's uh, it's incredibly engaging just as a and that's why people talking about their personal experiences often maybe something that's happened to them and it's the first time I mean, in the north as a reporter you'd be sent to you know interview some people who witnessed an event or something or whatever you know a violent incident and so if you got to them first, you you got this kind of torrent of, uh, of they just want to tell you. You know, they've said. I mean, it's it's like that. If you see something and you you you're, you the first time you speak about it mm-hmm. is the moment 
where you know you're you're really are kind of formulating the thoughts as you speak as you put as you put mm. the words come out it's something that i'm conscious of as like i generally do send out the emails to, to get our guests and stuff like that and it is something i'm conscious of coming from an interviewer's perspective that in the email i'm being as transparent as possible i do usually state look if there's any topics that you don't feel comfortable with we won't uh, bring Discuss them up mm. um because yeah like who are we to you know kind of be the ones tripping people up but we do get we're, some good like it's not it's, we're, we're not going it is for like, anything, it is like yeah. what you said it's finding the questions that will make the interviewee think on their feet but in the best possible way if you get me and get an answer that hasn't uh, they've not even thought about them before they haven't said before like basically an exclusive maybe mm-hmm. or two one question I did want to ask was uh, so you started Morning Ireland uh, Morning, Morning Ireland after the 6-1 news um, and I just wanted to know what, what the transition was like um, on just on a basic level even it's it's a lot earlier your daily yeah. routine yeah, so talk, talk us through your daily routine now for Morning Ireland like what time do you rise at well the day starts the night before Okay. So that's the kind of first thing to say about it because there's you know the the, the program team are working on that, that morning's program the previous evening, yeah. and so the presenters come on with the program editor. There's two editors: there's the 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 editor for the evening, and then the editor who comes in in the morning. Okay. So and um, and then there's a series editor, and we all take a phone call at about a quarter past four to seven, four to eight in the evening, and go through spend fifteen or twenty minutes going through the the potential stories. I mean, it changes then obviously as the oh, evening right, goes yeah. on, and. Um, and sometimes you'll be assigned uh, some interviews so you might know we're going to be interviewing so and so you know so uh, you can give a little bit of thought for that I'm, I sometimes think maybe I prefer not to know who I'm going to be interviewing because then I'm afraid I'm going to be lying in bed trying to sleep but also thinking about what questions I should be asking somebody <laughs> and I don't, I don't I need a night's sleep um, but anyway there's that kind of prep done from the night before and then my alarm goes off at 4am oh. yeah. that must be a tough yeah. one now <laughs> yeah, and, we're, uh, still, we're still at it that time <laughs> <laughs> I know, sure. Paint a picture for me. Well, I mean, I'm dry. I'm driving to work at whatever time. I'm after five. I'm leaving home, and I live in Portobello. So I go down near Harker Street and round by Coppers. There's still <laughs> there. you know, I mean, have, you ever, have you ever been in Coppers Brian? once for Desi Cahill's book launch? <laughs> what? <laughs> he had it in Coppers, and there was there was me, me, Desi, and about three hundred uh, whatever number of people he had in, who were all probably more closer in. Age to me and Desi, <laughs> and I think for most of them, it was the first time they've been in Copper as well. <laughs> that must have been some scene. Oh, would you be back, Ray? Uh, no, I think, okay. I, I think I'll leave it to the young people. Right. <laughs> you weren't right. getting right. up dancing to the, a bit of Westlife or anything like that, no. <laughs> Brian, um, if you were to have a drink now, what, what would be your tipple of choice? Uh, I drink wine. Wine. And actually, I'm in a wine club. Oh, very nice. So I mean, I kind of, there's a sort of a thing I'm, I've been interested in that, and, okay. uh, and uh, so yeah, that's what. Where I did that come from? Like, it's, wine is kind of an acquired. Yeah, maybe it is. My father was in the wine trade. Oh, yeah. Was a, that, that, that he worked for an importer and stuff. And not that we have, I'm sitting at home. <laughs> Seven year old Brian with <laughs> glass of wine. Try this dinner, little yeah. Bordeaux, you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, no, no, I, I don't know where I don't know where it came from. I just uh, so I um, I find I can't cope really with pints any longer. Okay. Okay. My metabolism doesn't work, and spirits, I. I um, I don't I, I, I don't really I don't that into them I don't when, when you did have a pint now what would it have been a pint I used of? to drink a pint of Guinness oh yeah, yeah. man after our own heart yeah, very yeah. good yeah. Uh, yeah so one one person that we mentioned there uh, throughout the interview was your co-anchor for many many years uh, Sharon, Sharon. Yeah. Um, 
you obviously had a great uh, on-screen rapport and stuff like that. What do you think lended itself to, to that, that you got on so well and worked so well oh, together? I don't know. We just both got on. I think, you know, although there's a lot of ego involved in, in, the, in the business, I think mostly in news, people tend to leave their ego, you know, at the door or, or tone it down or whatever. And it's because, I think it's because of the pressures of news, particularly, I haven't really worked in other areas, so I can't sort of comment, but I think in news particularly, because the demands just of getting the stories on air and getting the programme on air are such that, you know, there isn't really a lot of room for people to, you know, start, uh, you know, you know um, throwing hissy fits or anything. So I think we just get on because we focus on the job. Yeah. Did you, did so. you ever have, like... I don't know. Did RT ever send you on a, a bonding session? Say, right, two you no. go get acquainted now. No, no, we, no, I don't think so. We, she, I mean, Sharon came onto the programme uh, after um, Uno Hagen left. Yeah. And um, she had done quite a lot of presenting as well. So she's, she, you know, she came, she was very experienced. And, you know, she settled into it, did it very well. And I, you know, I'm, I think she kind of grew in the job as well. Mm-hmm. You know, over did the you, years. Did yeah. you have any bit of advice for her on her first day or did, was she qualified enough that you said no. well I think I think so I mean certainly if you're working with somebody who hadn't done the show before mm-hmm. you'd advise them as you say look you know the next what, this camera here we'd have a two shot here that, that, that kind of sort of okay. yeah. bull, bull stuff, practical you know? stuff which is what people did when I started in Maureen Ireland people you know were sort of telling me you know, this is the thing we do now mm-hmm. we do a time check here and we have the weather so you've been away from radio for I, I used to do an occasional summer bit of relief okay. on Maureen Ireland but I mean I hadn't uh, hadn't um, you know, and and one of the editors said to me one time, coming in to do more in Ireland in August, that's not, that doesn't count at all. You know, <laughs> like you get up and the sun is shining. And, you know, you got to be doing it in November and yeah, January yeah, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. that thing. So, uh, uh, you know, that's the real hardcore presenter. So I don't, but I I I don't I don't just very occasionally. Yeah, I have a question on that though. You always have a pen in your hand. Do I? Yeah, nearly always. It's a little crutch, is it? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. ever thought about it before? It's just. No, I, well, I kind of sometimes I write things down, or okay. somebody's if somebody's somebody said something, or you know, mm-hmm. um, just make a little sort of note of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I always wondered about that. You're not the only newscaster. Like, yeah, I like to have. Um, I like to have a. I, I, I got my pen. I have these pens here, which are it's an ink pen. Oh, oh. it's uh, what's yeah, called yeah, fountain, you know, pen. fountain pen. Yeah. I don't like fountain pens. So, and I like them because my going back to my leaving search, that my handwriting is pretty atrocious. But this this keeps it bit, that bit neater. Okay. Yeah. Because a ballpoint pen sort of runs away with you if you're yeah. a bit indisciplined as a writer. So I have, and the other thing, of course, is because it's a reasonably decent pen that. You know, it is a bit more than one ninety nine. Mm-hmm. It's not that expensive, but then I'm less likely to lose it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just on the topic of advice, your um, your successors, Katrina and Keelan, did you have any uh, advice for them coming into the job? No, I didn't. No, no. no. I mean, uh, didn't need it. I'd say. Well, I know they didn't need it. No, I mean, I mean, if they asked me about you know something, I would. I mean, I'm sure I, we I shared whatever little tips I had, but no, they didn't. Uh, they didn't. They don't need any advice. No, no. They're both extremely capable. And Brian, yeah. when you're separated from the news and the work and the job, how do you actually relax? Do you watch movies, yeah. TV? Yeah, I read books. Yeah, books. books. I know yeah. it's books. Yeah, yeah. I'm not actually. I'm not actually. I can say this now. I don't watch a lot of TV. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and I tend to. Um, if I do, you know, we might follow a series or something like that, or you know, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But I get free. I start watching something, you know, like a, a you know Netflix series or something, and then I forget about it, <laughs> you know, and it's gone, and I kind of don't know. I've lost interest. Um, so I read a lot. I read a bit of a bit of history. Um, I know we touched and, on wine. I also yeah. have down in my notes. 
You're a big fan of cheese as well. Oh, they come, they come hand in hand. They come hand in hand. And the books, Except actually. I'm not allowed, yeah. I'm not allowed to really eat cheese for, oh. you know, for health reasons. Cholesterol. And because my wife says that I snore oh. ferociously. Oh. If I, I snore anyway, but apparently I snore out of this world if I have cheese. <laughs> so I'm not allowed. If I do have cheese, I'm in the spare bed. Okay, okay. So, um, that's so sometimes, the, sometimes you're like, any cheese in the fridge? <laughs> Good night's sleep. Um, so that's it that's what I do and the other thing I do uh, is uh, in the summer months and occasionally in the winter I do a bit of sailing Oh, very good. So, um, and I got into that. I just got into that. that. You know, I always had a sort of thing about it. My father, my late father-in-law used to, used to pot around in boats a bit and he encouraged me a bit and I got into it and about, I was a good few, 25, 20 years ago now I got into it and, uh, I did a bit of, uh, volunteer teaching of, of, you know, sailing, that kind of stuff. So that's a great way to escape. Yeah. You've also done a, a bit of charity work, I saw. I saw you did a bit of work with Samaritans there. Uh, I do. Well, the Samaritans, uh, yeah, I've done it occasionally. If somebody asks me to do something, yeah, yeah. I don't have a kind of ongoing thing with it, mm. with it but uh, occasionally I get asked, will I, will I, will I do something and, uh, you know, attend an event or something? So, you know. I, I have one. Um, I seen, this was a weird one. I, I, I had to go digging for this one. This was an RTE web chat from, I'm going to say, 2000 and about nine and I think I think it was you were actually replying to questions people I remember were, that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was someone asked you if you know why did you never move to the likes of Sky to advance your career and you just replied um, how would moving to Sky be advancing my career <laughs> did it ever cross your mind uh, did offers ever come in from across the pond or anything hey, or? It, 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 well it did cross my mind okay. yeah yeah. I, particularly early on because I had worked you know I had worked in pirate radio worked in a couple of pirate radios I'd worked for three years at BBC then I was in RT so I kind of ha- I was in this you know world where I've moved every few years mm-hmm. so after f- my first few years in RT I, w- I was getting a bit restless yeah. um, and I did and I applied for um I applied for a job in, in London with Thames Television, which was a commercial station. Okay. I think they're gone now. Um, and they had a program, a business news program. And I applied for a job with them. And I was business correspondent at RT at the time. Mm-hmm. And to my amazement, I not only got a reply, I got, in, in, I got flown over to be interviewed. Oh, wow. And not only did I get flown over to be interviewed, but I had come back home through the front door that very evening. The phone rang and it was them offering me a job. So this was all happening very quickly. And my wife was standing in the hall and I'm on the phone and I put the phone down and I said, they've just offered me this job. And she just got, she was pregnant at the time. And she said, we're not going to London. (laughs) We are not going to London. And I'll be in some flat in, you know, Camden Town or something and you'll be off kind of flying, you know, being being the big shot journalist. It's not going to happen. So I I, um, sheepishly rang them back and said, Look, I'm sorry, I, I'm not. I'm, I won't be taking that job, which I applied for, which I was interviewed for. Yeah. <laughs> I, was offered. <laughs> I was always they re, they still reimbursed my flight, which I thought was very was, wow. was very decent. <laughs> so I was kind of, and I, I think maybe if if my my wife had been you know up for it, I think I probably would have gone. Wow. That maybe maybe wouldn't have seen you on the yeah. screens for yeah. so long. And that's the question I have. I mean, obviously you've had a, a fantastic career so far, but is has there been any regrets along the way? Opportunities mm-hmm. not taken, maybe anything like that. Um, no, because it kind of worked out okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in, you know, in fairness, so, like, yeah, if, you're if, not doing yeah, too badly for yourself. Um, I mean, yeah, I think, I, look, I mean, I'm not given to regrets generally in life about things. I mean, and I think it's, I'm always ready to make a decision about something and just you go with it and okay you know so that was my approach to this change from the from the tv onto the radio oh, let's just do it i mean it's a 
bit bonkers to volunteer for a job where you get up at four o'clock in the morning. But look, it's a, it's it's something different. It's new, you know. It's a great show, and it's the most listened to radio program and all the rest of it. So I'm kind of inclined when I make a decision to to stick with to it. stick with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did on one occasion consider leaving RTE uh, to go into the sort of private sector. I mean, completely out of journalism mm-hmm. entirely. And I had got to the stage where I had more or less accepted the job, and I just had serious second thoughts. Okay. And I decided no in the end, you know. And looking back now, I'm I'm glad. Glad. Yeah, that's something I have no regrets. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, the whole thing about life is every every day you you know, or almost every day you come to a fork in the road, and you we go this way rather than that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. At my stage, at my age now, I look back and I think, well. What if I'd done that? That could have. Worked. But I don't kind of think, oh, I missed out some, you know, wonderful experiences or opportunities or career or whatever. Um, I mean, the thing too, I don't, have, I don't have regrets. But the th- one of the things I'm, well, maybe it is a regret, is that I haven't kept in touch with more people over the years, okay. and I haven't done enough. And maybe this is a guy thing to 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 maintain friendships yeah, and connections. Yeah. And there's people I meet occasionally, you know, from even from school days. Met a guy last week. Hadn't seen him for forty years, and I'm still thinking, now why didn't I stay in touch with yeah, someone like yeah, that? Because yeah. he's he's not that far away. He's still living in Dublin, and I sometimes, if that's a regret, that'd be about the only regret I have. But then, do you, do you think know. that's like something though? Maybe you were so in the public sphere that maybe you were kind of isolating yourself a bit, like due to your work commitments. Did it maybe isolate you a bit? You were this the face of yeah. you know the news. I don't think so. I think people. I think people who know you and you know, yeah, yeah. know you for who you are. So they're not. It, it, you know the fact that you happen to be on the TV. But the but the interesting thing about it is is that if I come across people that I was in school with, who you know I might immediately recognise, they immediately recognise <laughs> me, and uh, you know which is which is quite nice. Uh, but sometimes I have to sort of ask them to remind me, you know, because obviously we've all changed a bit. Except they watched me, you know. Yeah. Slowly disintegrate. <laughs> the, the, well, your the... hair is still that. That was something I've had on. Right, your hair is still impeccable. Um, impeccable. Impeccable. Well, yeah. your own isn't too bad. I think that's quite. flirting. I was fishing for that one. No. Um, <laughs> did it ever cross your mind over the years? You're like, Shit, is my hairline going back a little bit? Did Did that ever come into like? I don't know. Did you ever have hair plugs? Looking at your name. No, I didn't. <laughs> we, we went from we went from compliments to insults. That was, was a complete one eighty. Uh, no, sorry, about to sneeze. Sorry, um, no, I've never had any. I've never had oh. any cosmetic treatment at all. Do you ever bit of just for men keep it a bit darker? No, no, it's all it's all as it is. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, it's all natural. Um, I did read in that web chat that we discussed before that you owe a lot to hairspray. <laughs> and it comes in so like is it ever way in your conscious like what you've actually done to the ozone layer to do what to the ozone layer <laughs> do you want to start a section you're on the show you're a disaster every week uh, no and I actually have another one that actually feeds into my style section Brian you still wear a suit to work I do uh, yeah, at 5 o'clock in the morning it's yeah I know well, it's a bit strange know, you've said it's the uniform but still yeah, yeah I know I know could you not just even you know shirt Loosen the slacks, tie yeah, you know yeah. maybe yeah. Just, no, do, you actually, wear, do you wear a tie as well I wear a tie, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I, I, a tie when you get to my stage in life, it's it's more you know structural rather than it kind of holds everything kind of. Differently. Um, I just it just I've done that all my life, and it, going to work, it, actually it helps me at that hour of the morning. And I'm going here in the morning to be focused about that. I'm actually getting up to go to work. You know, okay. this is and actually much and it's easier and the stuff is all and I ironed the shirt the night before. And I hang everything up, ready to go, so I don't have to think about anything, and just off you go. Mm. And it is, it, but you're right, it is a uniform. Sorry, it is a uniform. Yeah, it is. It's just a handy uniform. Oh, to, would you just think, ah, 
today wear a pair of tracks. Dressed down, <laughs> dressed down <laughs> Friday. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I don't yes. seem yeah, hoodie yeah. and tracksuit like. I occasionally, when I was on the telly, sometimes I used to just do the upper part, you know, and I mean, I mean I'd have to wear oh, trousers, oh, obviously. But, oh, uh, they would call it the, the yeah. one in the shorts. Yeah, actually got quite a bit of backlash for that. <laughs> I remember that. The, yeah. well, normally they were shorts, they like cargo shorts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he did look ridiculous. Like, let's, let's not beat her in the bush. So, no, I, I, was, I once had a pair of jeans on, and, and the Russian, no, not the Russian, the Polish president arrived in, sort of unexpectedly for an interview. <laughs> they had been arranged, but nobody had told, somebody hadn't told somebody, so this motorcade arrived one time for the Six o'clock news with this Polish president uh, it was when they were sort of campaigning to join the EU and anyway, I did the interview with them and it was over he turned and said I see you are a real newsreader you wear the jeans on the- <laughs> <laughs> um, I do uh, know from reading an article that uh, your ideal dinner party would involve the most important women in your life that namely your mother your wife your daughters mm. and Sharon so it's safe to say that you're a bit of a family man <laughs> so yeah. has that always been a thing have you always been a very close-knit family yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I, it's hard. To, I'm, it's hard to know other families who aren't close knit. I suppose I've been. Mm. Um, uh, now we're the, the the girls are not. They're young women now. They're twenties. They've left home, so we're 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 empty nesters now. Which <laughs> is a really one, one of them, uh, of course, as we were mentioned on the way, a DCU graduate. A DCU graduate, Hannah. Hannah yeah, in marketing. Yeah, in marketing, yeah. She did a year in communications, actually. Oh, oh really? really? Yeah, yeah. Her first and then she year. Decided to do a real course, was it? Uh, well, you know, she just couldn't the you know, <laughs> <laughs> Such a strenuous work. Class, you know? She uh, she decided it wasn't quite for her, so uh, mm. she uh, she took a switch. But she would she whatever about leaving communications, she would never left DCU. I mean, she mm. just was completely, uh, uh, you know, a fan of the whole the college mm. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. It still is. It still is. Yeah. Brian did take a selfie on his way. He did. He did. Oh, we should get a copy of that for ourselves. Brian, when when Hannah was picking and she was. Senior CEO, and obviously you put down communications. Mm. Did you have any? Did Did you have any input in the decision? Or I was kind of surprised. Really? No, I, no, I had no input. No, okay. entirely up to up to her. And um, uh, it was actually it was the it was the then head of the the department or, or the course, whose name now is just suddenly I've had a blank. She was the senator. Um, oh. uh, anyway, okay. um, anyway, uh, who came into her school? Okay. Her school and. Korea, where there were all these careers evenings, you know, where they come in. Yeah. And so the head of the head of the school came in and she gave this talk and Korea said, because Korea was listening to the talk, said, at the end of it, I was ready to join the communications because <laughs> it was such a fantastic uh, uh, presentation. And um, so I think that was, and obviously Hannah was thinking, I don't know, no, I didn't. And I didn't either encourage or, or dissuade. Mm-hmm. If that's what you've thought about, that's what you want to do. Speaking of colleges, you, know. you were an adjunct professor at the University of Newark? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Are you yeah. still doing that gig now? No, 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 it was a three-year three years, thing. So I thought... Year. I'll do. I'll do the three years, and then I'll 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 I'll, I'll wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And they've uh, uh, I've been replaced actually by Fergal Keane of the BBC. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, they uh, they've um, they've kept up the high standard. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. uh, so that was really interesting. I enjoyed. How did that, that come about? It came about because the then one of the then lecturers in the department asked me what I do it. Mm-hmm. A guy called Tom Fell, who is now head of the School of Journalism in. NUIG in Galway oh, yeah. and uh, he had since gone off to London and, and got his doctorate and whatever so did, but he, he, did he go before or after that whole thing with the the journalism course he's in come in in the aftermath in the aftermath yeah, okay, yeah. yeah so yeah, that's yeah. I mean he's, he's a new broom I guess mm-hmm. you know that uh, so uh, he's going to deal with the, the aftermath yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so what exactly were you doing when you were doing that job I would go about twice a year right for two days okay and I would do 
I said when they asked me to do it, I said, I mean, I'm, I can't lecture as in, you know, the theory of communications yeah. or, you know, the future of online digital. Hyper- you know, hyperdermic needle model and all this kind of theory. Yeah. I'm not doing I said, look, I can, I'll do practical stuff. Script yeah. writing, you know, interviewing techniques, mm. writing for pictures, you know, whatever, te- storytelling, news gathering. Yeah, I'll do any of that. That's, that's what we want you to do. That was very interactive with students. Yeah, which is the way I tried to do it. Like, I actually tried to engage and get you know so we have a you know yeah. how do you think we might go about you know mm. sort of and what was the most surprising so- thing you learned from the young students about their knowledge of media or how they interacted with it or even with yourself the most surprising was it well I mean one of the things I was asked to do uh, uh, to, uh, to emphasise was the importance of of uh, reporters and the students who you know being fulfilling that role of going out talking to people making phone calls going to the, the source of the story being proactive because I think one of the things that happened is because of social media yeah. you know people go on, oh I, I need to find out about you get, know get the climate change yeah. Google climate change and you know whatever so uh, that was one of the things and I think it was, it's I mean that just wouldn't have arisen in my time because you couldn't it was easier to phone somebody mm-hmm. than to go off and try and do the research so um, that was one of the, the things that I was asked to sort of mention from time to time <laughs> so I used to put put that in as a little mm-hmm. bit of advice yeah any final questions mm-hmm. lads? Uh, let me think. Oh, we, ne- we never touched on this. So, obviously, it really came to the public sphere when, on your final your final um, show, Sharon called you Dobbo. Um, now, I've read since that, you know, you were, like, known as Dobbo through the halls of RT and stuff, but now it, it is out there. Um, have you seen an uptake in people saying, ah, oh, Dobbo? <laughs> yeah, a bit, yeah. yeah but, but people would call me Dobbo in the streets anyway, or, okay. you know, over the, a bit, a bit. Uh, and... Um, I've actually now started, you know, signing emails to friends in the double because it just seems kind of easier. I did enjoy when you sign one of your emails, B. Um, I just thought that I would have, I would have, I would have loved it way more if we'd got a double. Yeah. <laughs> if we ever email you again, okay, friend, yeah. I'll send you a double. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Kira King actually leaves us exes all the time. Yeah, yeah. she was mortified when we, <laughs> we brought it up. We brought it up in the interview, and she actually hadn't realised that she left <laughs> us an ex in an in, in, in an email. And Colin was going around like a puppy for two days. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. One of my one of the I can't remember, one of the girls are called is known as Dobby. It might oh. be Hannah. I'm not sure, but anyway, I, um, so it's kind of it's gone through a generational <laughs> gender and a little twist on oh, yeah, it yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, oh, I don't have any more questions. Gav, no. I think mm-hmm. uh, Dabo's a good way to end. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's a nice natural. Listen, um, Brian or Dabo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks a million for, thanks, for coming up today. Thank it's you. been it's been a great chat, and we hope you've enjoyed your experience absolutely thoroughly yeah. and it's wonderful to come here to the new the, the new, new student centre yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll, yeah. we'll give you a bit of a, yeah, a spin yeah. around yeah. if you want uh, before you leave there's um, Waterford coming out and some fish spin around <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah there's still a bit left <laughs> oh actually I have one last thing in uh, the highlight little reel that RT did after your final episode uh, Leash fe- featured in it because you were at the Plowing Championships in Rathaneska yes, so um, there you go Leash for Sam yeah we can end we're really going to end it there oh, yeah of course we are I can start. I can start a rendition of "Lovely Leash" if you prefer. No, that's no. fine. Um, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Um, <laughs> this has been in conversation with Brian Dobson. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.